I would love to hear your Chris impression sometime, though. Hi, I'm Chris. And I'm Lancey. <laughs> That's not even close. <laughs> <laughs> the Norwalk Havoc Studios in Norwalk, Connecticut, this is Behind the Bots, the podcast that brings you the stories of the builders behind the bots. I'm Kyle. And I'm Luke. And today on the podcast, our interview with the organizers behind the Midwest Robot Combat Association. We'll wrap up the show with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. If you like our show, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn, CastBox, Player FM, and Podbean. Follow us on Facebook at Behind the Bots and tell a friend. We really appreciate your support. Time for this week's Combat Robotics News. I have three news items for you today. First up, catch live robot combat this week in New Jersey and Las Vegas. In New Jersey, Fubar Labs is hosting a 27-bot tournament with ant weights, plastic ant weights, and beetle weights at the Sussex County Maker Fair this Saturday, October 29th. Check out details on robotcombatevents.com. And in Las Vegas, BattleBots wraps up filming on BattleBots 7 this weekend, where they will crown a winner of this year's giant nut. There's still time to catch the action live, so head on over to battlebots.com tickets if you find yourself in Las Vegas this week. Speaking of Las Vegas, a number of teams this week published their first look at their Season 7 robots. That includes in alphabetical order, let's see if I can do this in one breath, Banshee, Blip, Bloodsport, Claw Viper, Free Shipping, Glitch, Hijinks, Horizon, Lockjaw, Madcatter, Ominous, Overhaul, Riptide, Sawblaze, Shredder Pro, Star Child, Switchback, Tantrum, Triton, and Valkyrie. I did it. Oh my god. Nice. Uh, <clears throat> so yeah, like uh, every team like goes into this special area where they can take hero shots, and that's where they kind of sneak a little shot for themselves and publish them on Facebook. Some of these robots look absolutely gorgeous. Others are basically unchanged. However, I do want to call out one robot in particular that I think has had the biggest glow up from season one to season two of their their design. And this is Switchback. Yes. Now, the bot ditched its stacked drum in favor of a more conventional egg beater spinner mounted on a lifting arm. Now, that appears to be right in line with the current state of the meta in heavyweights. If season six was about obnoxiously long forks, season seven appears to be about powered lifting forks. It's still too early to tell if powered forks will be effective, but it's an interesting design development to watch for nonetheless. Kyle, I want to pause here. Uh, powered forks, you know, like I guess we are all kind of slowly uh, adopting what Whiplash knew the entire time, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, I think they're really, really interesting. Have you um, have you given any thought to kind of the currency of the meta? You know, like do you think forks are out? Do you think uh, powered forks are in? Well, I do think it's interesting that we had. Bots with powered forks were like kind of a normal thing early on, right? You had, um, let's see, Hypershock was doing powered forks for a while and then they gave up on it. Uh, you had Donald Hudson and Lockjaw were doing powered forks for a while and then they gave up on it. Um, like that was kind of a thing that everybody was like, and our forks will be powered. We'll have secondary weaponry, you know, like all that stuff. Uh, but eventually they were like, you know, we just need these to scrape the ground. 
So it is interesting that we're kind of going back to that. And now with a lot more emphasis in the actual like lifting rather than just kind of control. Um, oh, Yeti too. Yeti was another really great powered fork robot. Right. Um, right. So it is, it is interesting that they're, they, you know, they're, they wanted to be straight up lifters now. Like, I think that's a cool idea. Uh, the geometry of it is all that matters, right? That's really what will make it either work or not work at all. And uh, some of the geometry I've seen on these bots looks a little questionable as somebody who hasn't seen any of the fights yet. Um, but hopefully it works out for them. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> like I, I felt like season six, like it was getting kind of wildly ridiculous, you know, how long these forks are getting and um, just how it became like fork wars, which I feel like is the least interesting kind of armor configuration. It's like, Oh great! How much can I can I put a six foot long fork on my robot? Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Um, like I don't think anybody shows up to BattleBots to be like, oh wow, look at this like expertly designed fork. Like this is so great. You know. Um, I mean, I I might, but but yeah, I hear, I hear <laughs> you. Yeah. Um, you know, and like I I feel like Switchback specifically, but you'll you can see this also in a lot of other designs mm-hmm. um, for for season seven you know, really embraces this idea of we are both a lifter and a spinner. Tear tops, um, the big deal. Right. They're, they're doing it. They're doing the thing, which I think is great. I think it's a really cool idea. One of the glow ups that I just wanted to point out that was just aesthetic this year, uh, Valkyrie. That that okay. hero shot that they shared with kind of the new color scheme on the front and everything. Gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. I thought it was the prettiest version of Valkyrie I've ever seen. Now, I didn't get a chance to walk around and actually ask the team myself. So this is one of those things where I will be just as surprised as the fans. But it looked, at least from that angle, that it looked like the robot was maybe slimmer or had a slightly different shape. Um, Like I think of Valkyrie Season 6 is like a pretty beefy machine. But this looked Mm -hmm. a bit more sleek. Um, Yeah, and it's like a a almost entirely new team on there. Yeah. Yeah. like all almost all new people, a bunch of them went over to Omega. Um, you know, Lucy from Sawblaze took over as captain. Um, so it's a it's a whole swap out. So we're we're basically looking at a brand new design, brand new team. It's going to be interesting. Now, Kyle, you know, out of the four of us, Chris, Lindsay, and I, we've actually been in the pits for several days. Um, you are still fresh. So, like, of the reveals that you've seen this week, is there a robot that you're really stoked about or something that surprised you from from all the photos i know you've seen them all i have seen them all uh the biggest surprise for me um was switchback i mean i had no idea they were doing that much of a change yeah um that was i mean it's it's a really cool idea it's a really cool idea and i love that it is a very traditional you know kind of lower weight class style egg beater drum spinner you know not the egg beater that you would think of when you think of like minotaur or something it's like right uh, full on, you know, upscaled egg beater bar from a lower weight class. I love that. I think it's going to be cool. Um, yeah. So yeah, that was the one that I was the most surprised about. Everything else I kind of knew about, um, you know, like had had some similar ideas or they haven't changed enough. One thing that I've been hearing constantly about is uh, the lack of armor on Triton, which makes me go, do you guys not know who built Triton? Like, they're, they're not putting armor on that. It's a weapon. It's just a right. big old weapon. <laughs> Right, right. That is, that is their team's design ethos. Just more weapon. <laughs> the how armor much weapon? is that giant bar that's out in the front of the bot. <laughs> yeah. How much? How much? How much weapon can I get? That's 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 all I need. You know. Um, you know. It, the the interesting thing is, I I walked over to Triton um, in the pits, and um, 
And I was asking them, like, why did you mount these? Like, why is it four wheels instead of two wheels? Like, you know, when I think of kind of like a um, horizontal spinner shaped like a triangle, I think of Tombstone, which has just big chonky wheels, right? Uh, But only two of them. And uh, they brought up really good points, one that I had not thought of before. So, like, this is food for thought for the fans, right? By creating two small wheels instead of one large wheel, they're able to pass the blade in between the two wheels. Ah. So, like, they get even more engagement on that massive blade of theirs, which I think is so interesting and really just speaks to that design yeah. ethos of just, like, really make it big, make it long, make it hit really hard, yep. you know? Really smart. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I will say Switchback, um, they were pitted next to Hypershock, and they were competing with Hypershock for the most organized and, like, like best kitted out um, pit area and like hypershock is really just it looks like you're walking into like a high-end exotic car dealership <laughs> and like right next door like switchback had just like the exact same setup of tools everything was color coordinated everything was organized you know like uh <laughs> I'm, I'm walking around and you could just tell just how teams just kind of treat the pits differently like some teams um I don't know, like ours shred it. I mean, I love us, of course. Sure, you know, it looked like I'm a sure tornado had gone through, you know, and like uh, had hit like a a robot parts store. And, um, you know, there's there's places like Witch Doctor, Hypershock, Switchback, where it was like you could you could eat off the tables. It was amazing. So they are they are in it to win it, Kyle, I'm going to say. Having seen the shredded team's pits, uh, like because they all kind of share a group of pit tables at Norwalk Havoc, <laughs> I am I am sure that it is not the cleanest, but I'm sure it's a very homey place that feels nice for everybody. Oh yeah, yeah, no, totally. I mean, it was it was very cozy, yeah, and that is like a real estate term for cramped, Kyle. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> I know. I lived in New York City. I know how that works. <laughs> yeah, no, but you know, hashtag family. Like I don't know. It was like, you know, yeah. we're we're. We're uh, we're all all in the kitchen, I guess. You know, yeah, working on the robot. Your uh, Vin Diesel gif here, um, right? <laughs> I love it. Um, and finally, Tombstone Captain Ray Billings is headed to Las Vegas for mysterious reasons. On Facebook, Ray writes, "Quote: I heard there was some sort of robot thing going on in Vegas, so I guess I'm headed there." Ray decided to set out BattleBot Seven due to a hand injury earlier in the year. It's still unknown what role Ray will play if any, in the coming season of BattleBots. So stay tuned. Uh, so I heard a rumor. I heard a rumor from uh, from from a, a Facebook fan um, that the reason Ray is coming is because the Triton guys are driving the bot badly. I ah! heard about it. Oh, my God. And he's coming to fix it for them. Just so wow. you know. Wow. Wow. Okay. I'm making up Who? rumors, by the way. Uh, oh, I made okay, that good. Rumor. I made that rumor, so... <laughs> I guess yeah. let's see what what's what's another kind of like uh, uh, outlandish rumor that we can make up about Ray, like just here on the spot. <laughs> let's see. He heard Mike um, Jeffries was there, and uh, he just wanted to go ruin his day because he loves oh. ruining Mike Jeffries' day. Uh, okay, yeah, just walk around, just question all of his uh, calls as Match Stewart. Is that right? <laughs> interesting, interesting. Um, oh, I, I I will say, like, I mean, I don't know. But I, I would speculate that I hope that BattleBots will use him in some way as maybe like some kind of fight analyst or something. I know that we have that extra half an hour of programming every week. And um, or, you know, we've, we've got all these extra hours, I guess, on Discovery Channel. So hopefully there's there's more room for experts like Ray to come in and uh, 
I don't know, I guess break down fights with Triton or or whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be really cool. It would be really cool. He would be a great personality for that for sure. All right, and that's it for this week's news, Kyle. After the break, our interview with the MRCA crew. This week on the podcast, we have four very special first-time guests, Remy de Guzman, Jeremiah Ashbrook, Joseph Betts, and Ashley York from the Midwest Robot Combat Association, aka Merca. Merca is a new combat robotics league based in the Midwest that was formed earlier this year after a number of event organizers running regional events teamed up to adopt a common rule set, promote one another's events, and build a bracketed ranking system. Their efforts culminated in the invitation-only 2022 Merca Finals held in Oconomowoc, Wisconsin. I swear to God, I was I practiced that so much. Oconomowoc, Wisconsin this past weekend, where Team Shredit team member Remy de Guzman went undefeated and took home first place with his antweight robot, Mudskipper. We're looking forward to learning about all things Merca in the hour ahead. So welcome to the show, Remy, Jeremiah, Joseph, and Ashley. Howdy. Thanks for having us, Luke. It's great to be here. Howdy. Hello. Hey. I am so excited that you're here. Um, I am a huge, huge believer in local combat robotics leagues. They are the lifeblood of this sport. They are the future of this sport. And event organizing is not always super glamorous. It's a lot of work. But it's so incredibly important to the development of our sport. And um, I just want to... Start off by just thanking you, you know, for for building Merca. Um, it's really important, and I'm really excited to to learn more about your league. So, uh, so this is really really great. Um, I want to start off with introductions. I always find that it's kind of awkward to introduce yourself, so maybe we could go around round robin and we could introduce one another. Um, perhaps Joseph, I can start you off. Can you introduce us to Remy? Sure thing. So Remy is. Probably our most feared builder in the league right now, uh, taking first place in the America Finals. And uh, he builds some really interesting bots. I first had Remy come on my radar watching some of the Norwalk streams and you know, looking at this weird giraffe wedge robot. And as a fan of control robots myself, um, being very intrigued. And then, uh, yeah, he started showing up to... Uh, some of the Merca events, you know, took first place in the uh, the first event that that kicked it all off. Um, so that that's kind of you know where I where I met him first as a competitor, but um, he very quickly became involved in the in the Merca league and and helped us get things going as we planned over the fall of last year. Um, and yeah, he's built some awesome robots. Uh, it's it's been it's been cool to have him on the team. Now, Remy, if I if I am remembering correctly, you are a designer, like you're a car designer at Toyota. Is that right? That's right. I'm an automotive engineer. Work at Toyota Motor North America. That's so cool. Um, Remy, uh, can you introduce us to Joseph? You know, can you tell us more about Joseph? I, I understand that you uh, you recently spent the night over at Joseph's house for uh, for the for, for the finals. Is that right? Yeah, it was a slumber party. It was great. Uh, more of, more of a of a pass out from exhaustion party, but uh, <laughs> Joseph is one of the most dedicated and hard working, hardest working people that I know. 
when it comes to trying to help organize and uh, run this robot combat uh, association that we have in the Midwest and uh, just in general, trying to make things uh, as accessible as possible for any new builders. I actually first uh, learned about Joseph's work before I even knew who he was or what he was involved with because I was trying to figure out how to make robots myself. And I saw some of his uh, guides for some early kits he was working on, um, which kind of evolved into the robot that he runs in the Midwest, um, Necessary Evil, which is another uh, good control bot that was competing last weekend. But from there, uh, working with them, seeing him help organize things and take on the jobs that are not necessarily glamorous, as you said, and are uh, definitely underappreciated. Uh, I've definitely uh, come to respect him quite a lot and I'm proud to be working alongside him trying to get this uh, Merca growing and uh, developed into a mature organization. Very cool. Joseph, what, what, what do you do outside of combat robotics? Do you, uh, do you work? Are you a student? Like what's, uh, what's, what's your, what's your vocation? Uh, that is a little, a little complicated. So I, uh, I just graduated high school last year and I had an engineering internship for a little over a year. Um, some things weren't working out with that job. It, wasn't really something I wanted to be at long term. And it's a really cool opportunity, but I ended up quitting it a little over a month ago at this point. And mm. I'm now riding this really blurry line between entrepreneurship and unemployment. And it, okay. was, it was really good timing with the the 2022 Merca finals and being able to put my head down and work on that and actually make the event run okay. But my end goal has always been owning my own business of some kind. And I'm just trying to learn and figure things out as I go right now, but still living with my parents. I got a roof over my head, so I'm, I'm doing all right. That's awesome. So let's see, you're like 18, 19. Is that right? Something like that? I turned 18, 12 days ago. So wow. figure that out. You would never <laughs> hey. believe it based on the way that he acts. Happy birthday, Joseph. Um, I'm so curious. What what kind of business do you want to run? Like, have you are you are you selling stuff now or or what? So this is the part where I plug bets bots. Um, I am trying to turn the necessary evil robot into a kit that I sell, and I've got a few of them floating around the Midwest, and maybe like eighty percent of the way there to getting a website up for those. Um, that's just one of the many avenues that I've I've tried to go though. Um, I'm just I'm bouncing around trying to find anything and everything that'll bring me income and experience. And maybe someday I'll end up in manufacturing. Um, maybe it'll be something where I'm managing a service-based business. I don't have super strong preferences on where I end up yet. I mean, listen, when I was 18, I was, uh, you know, uh, binge drinking in parking lots. So, I mean, you're, you're way ahead of me there. So that's good. BetSpots. All right. So, yeah, go and check out BetSpots. Uh, so what is that? B-E-T-Z-B-O-T-S. Is that right? Uh, almost, except the final S is a Z because oh, I got to be weird double Z's. and quirky. <laughs> all right. <laughs> B-E-T-Z-B-O-T-Z. All right. All right. Yep. Good. I'm going to check that out. No website yet, but soon, soon enough. <laughs> 
Uh, you can Good. you can reach me in other ways. All right. Well, if there's any listeners here who want to go in and and snipe, you know, betspots.com, you know, it's got double Z's. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Uh, Maybe we can go over to Ashley. Ashley, do you think you could introduce us to Jeremiah? Maybe tell us uh, about Jeremiah's robots and and what Jeremiah does, that that kind of thing. I would be honored to introduce Jeremiah. Jeremiah is a great guy. Uh, Personally, I call him the Italian stallion. Um, I didn't. Jeremiah is a <laughs> Jeremiah is is a grand, man of great initiative. He's done some really innovative things. When we first started getting the Midwest scene up and running, uh, Jer had done some great work in creating his event, the Michigan Mashup, uh, which just the you know as you mentioned the the work it requires for uh, a person to organize an event is immense already. But he's done a great job and has. Uh, a really innovative arena or had a really innovative arena that he actually sold to Remy. Uh, and now is building. So now Remy has an yeah. innovative arena. Yeah. And there's an, an even more innovative one on the way, but just uh, has done a great job running that event and promoting it. Um, and then as a builder, uh, Jer is just really innovative and, and does a great job uh, packing a lot of power into small packages uh, probably best known for Nosferatu, who I was honored to have my robot Karen lose to uh, on Saturday. Well, really, it um, lost more to faulty wiring than it did to me, though. Yeah, Still yeah, counts. but Nosferatu is pretty darn impressive. Uh, great vert- four-wheel drive vertical spinner, and I'm not sure. That's a, a unique design. It's one of the robots I fear the most on the Merca circuit, for sure. Yep, yep. And he's he's designed some other really cool things, and I think the the biggest uh, uh, credit to Jared, you know, the proof that he's doing a great job is his ability to sell these designs and robots to to other people who really admire what he's put together. So, um, you know, he's got some designs that are out there that he's given sold to people that are really impressive. But I will say, I think the most impressive thing for me uh, about Jeremiah is how devoted a father he is and uh you know he's done a great job bringing his son into some of the events and showing a commitment to his son and uh i think it's something that i really look up to and i'm proud to be a colleague uh of jerry and look forward to uh him destroying me many many more times in the future that's amazing. Good introduction, Ashley. All right, Jeremiah, let's uh, let's wrap this up with uh, with an introduction to Ashley. Can you tell us more about Ashley? Sure thing. Yeah, he's uh, making me blush over here with all this uh, praise he's given me. Uh, I was going to say, uh, well, Ashley's uh, he has the honor of being the tallest person in the MRCA uh, management team, um, and uh, he's just in general a very kind person. He does his best to bring everyone together when we're working on a a difficult problem uh, or rules. He's also a very important part of what makes up the, uh, the ELO system, the ranking system, what we actually give points based upon in the system. Um, Because each win will give points, but also there's a season-long uh, ELO system where some robots will be ranked higher, and taking those robots out, if a lower-ranked robot is able to take those ones out, they will get much more points from that. That is all 
actually helping us with that portion. He's he's not one of the event organizers, but having him in that role has been invaluable. He also he he brings his daughter every single time to these different events that he comes to. Uh, a very good father, working on uh, his own robot as well as keeping hers running at these events. In general, I just I appreciate him. He's a good guy. That's really cool. As a uh, as a new father myself, I, I have a four month old. Um, I hope that in a couple of years she will become a champion uh, robot fighter herself. So uh, it's cool to see dads in the sports and uh, and involving their kids. That's 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 really cool. Um, I want to start by understanding how Merca got started. How long has this been in planning? Um, Whose idea was it at first? What were some of the goals, I guess, of the league? Um, can somebody kind of catch me up on the history of Merca? How did this start, Joseph? I I kind of seemed like you had a Discord for WRC, and we all kind of came to that place, and then it kind of evolved out of there somehow. I think Caleb was actually really involved in that process, too. Yeah, so, I mean, I... I was kind of one of the first people to host an event coming out of the pandemic in the Midwest since Cirque was dead. And yeah. I ended up starting a Discord server for whatever reason. And it had a few people on it. But then there was, was like an Iowa Discord server and a Minnesota uh, Discord server. And um, I don't like clutter. So I said, this is dumb. Is there some way that we can, uh, you know, join servers? Or, or maybe Caleb brought it up first. We we were just, we were all in agreement on that. Like, we don't need to be split across three places. I, I believe I... I, I kind of hijacked your yeah. server was what it was. I started coming over there and posting my stuff. I was like, ah, everyone who's coming to my event is here, so... Oh, yeah, that's right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, make your own server. Mm-hmm. Um, which I... Okay, I'm kicking myself for this. This is a little... This is going a little bit back to the introduction. I did a really poor job with Remy's introduction because he was actually at one of the Michigan mashups before the WRC event. Um, and he bullied us all with his wedges. But anyways, uh, <laughs> that was the first time I met him. Yeah. <laughs> my my but, wife bullied all of us more though, but that's a whole nother story. <laughs> okay. She yes. took first place at that event, didn't she? Yep. We just rolled on in. <laughs> and we're like, okay, guess we're going to win. Anyway, <laughs> and she was quite dominant, and she was also good with the robots too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> well, yeah, if I remember right, she took first at that event, and uh, you took third, I think. Yes, with disappointment, second, yeah. but yeah, go tie. Anyways, um, as I was saying, yeah, Discord servers just joined very naturally uh, with Jeremiah posting there. And that kind of evolved into, hey, what if we kind of tied this into a league? And I got really excited about that. And then uh, we kind of made a, a group chat and it started maybe no more than five people and very quickly grew into gathering all the event organizers that we could in the area. and. Uh, we started brainstorming and yeah, really fall of last year. That's when, that's when it all started picking up. 
Now, so there were many kind of individual events in the Midwest. Were you all following the same rule set? Was it, you know, did you have a uniform ranking system? What basically what what did you have to agree on? What did you have to build to to bring kind of everybody under the same umbrella? So MRCA does have a set of rules that every event must use. We try to make it not choking. We don't try to choke the events, their ability to do some of the things they want to do. But there are certain standards that we do have to stick to because then they're going to matter when it comes time for the finals. Yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, that when you talk about what we had to agree on, that's one of the interesting things is um, this thing has kind of evolved very organically. I know Toward the beginning, I was one of the voices uh, kind of talking and sharing noise, maybe. Um, I was kind of approaching things from the perspective of the old organization we had in the Midwest 20 years ago, um, which was a completely different structure. But as we started talking and as you know, these, these very intelligent guys threw their thoughts out, it really developed into something very different. And, um, you know, I, th- I think it was... There wasn't a, a formal process of like, okay, what do we, let's sit down and decide what we're creating here, you know, just through the natural conversation and the excitement that Joseph had and, you know, the input of other people, it turned into, okay, let's make a combined finals and what do we need to do to get to that point? Um, so it was really, it was exciting how it grew organically through that type of uh, excitement and innovation. I think a big part of it, too, was just we wanted to have events near us that we could actually go to. We all love combat robotics. You know, that's why we do this in large part. So there were no events really around. We wanted to make it to where there were events. There'd be events every couple of months that we could go to and get excited about. I mean, I remember when I first started building, I was waiting for Cirque to come back, you know, uh, uh Central Illinois Robotics Competition, because that's the one I'd seen a lot of YouTube videos about. Um, I'd gotten very excited about watching uh, like Bit Error and uh, uh, whatever that cereal box robot was, because I didn't even realize that these small robots were a thing up until recently. I had gotten into 3D printing, and then I see these on there, and I'm like, wow, this is something I can do. I I don't have any fantasies that I will probably ever be involved in battle bots, 250 pound robots that you get to watch and so cool to watch. But this is something that I can get involved in. This is something I can create events for. And when I saw that that year Circa wasn't going to be coming back, I kind of saw a little bit of what Joseph was doing on the other side of the pond, (laughs) Lake Michigan. And uh, I wanted to do that, too. I had built my own box and uh, just for my own testing. And I was like, you know what? I can make an event happen. And people showed up. I mean, I kind of was surprised by that because uh, it's a, where I host this event. It's a little know-nothing town, uh, Bloomingdale, Michigan. We've got like uh, a bar, a gas station, and a grocery store here. Uh, we get a lot of snow in the wintertime. But everyone... Seem to have a good time. We've been continuing it on for the last few events. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, you, you know, like, I'm curious, you know, if, if you've thought more about 
the impact that Merca has had this year on the sport? You know, have you seen a lot of new people come out um, and compete because it's now a uniform league and there's a lot of cross promotion? Um, I mean, I, I feel like every time I see photos from your events, there's a lot of people at them, which is just great. Um, you know, are, are you do, do you see Merca as growing the sport in the Midwest as well? I believe that's a very important part of why we do this, get more people involved, get it in front of more people. Uh, I assume that that's exactly how you feel as well, Joseph. Uh, you've talked before about getting new people involved, and that's exactly what your kits do as well. Get robotics. We made a, a lot of decisions uh, that try to keep things as accessible as possible. For example, one of the things, going back to one of the uh aspects of it you were asking about luke uh we tried to keep the exact the requirements a little flexible as far as the arena jeremiah started with a four by four metal floored arena joseph is an arbitrary size that's rectangular that i can't remember off the top of my head it's uh, with an mdf some have pits some don't some pits open up after one minute some don't so um we really tried to accommodate as long as you meet minimum safety requirements and certain minimum size requirements, like you can't have a two a test box as an arena, <laughs> um, uh, people can participate. It makes me think of Joseph's first arena, although that one was never used for MRCA. Yeah. Shelf. So I, shelf. <laughs> I always take I always take the side of what's the bare minimum we're suggesting here, because I started by finding a shelf on the side of the road, putting polycarbonate over it, and that was my arena. It was like three and a half feet by three and a half feet, but I ran a competition out of it and people showed up. <laughs> it just shows how desperate everyone was to actually have events. I think I think the the most powerful thing we realized as we got into it was as we started to open up the competitions, you know, for registration, we were seeing, you know, thirty-two spots in these ant weight tournaments fill up in what, six or seven minutes. And, you know, started to have conversations about, my goodness, how are we going to make more spots available? Because clearly the demand is there and, you know, we're, we must be doing something right if there's that many people trying to get into these tournaments. Yeah, we're, we're running into some, some limits on just the amount of people we can run in a day. And, you know, as far as growth of the league, it's, it's got me thinking, We've definitely introduced people to this for the first time. Um, but I think a lot of what we've done, at least this year, is just uncovered people who've been dormant for a year or two with COVID. We've had people return. I mean, we've also had new members that started out as spectators. Um, thinking back to WRC, uh, there are a couple people that seemed really interested, joined the Discord, said, I'm going to make a robot. And then I think that's where Team Adam Smasher came from. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've yeah. yeah, we've we've uh had a surprising amount of spectator interest, especially at the WRC events. That's something I've really pushed for. That's definitely one of those things I love to do is to speak with folks. They get so interested and they talk about how they've never never seen this type thing before, the smaller robots, or that it was something they could get involved in. Yeah. Especially when you point out that you can get started in ant weights for you know, less than the price of a, a nice RC car. Right, right. Um, 
I I'm curious. So like uh, maybe we can go chronologically. So the you, you held several qualifying events. Um, were there any hiccups along the way, or has it been pretty smooth sailing uh, up until the finals? So I kicked off the season with the WRC event in January, and it ran mm. pretty smoothly. The complaints i always have is timing just getting people ready for fights um i was very understaffed that competition um i just i couldn't get the the manpower to uh make setup and take down go as smoothly as i would have liked but it was a solid event in that people enjoyed it and we had uh, i think a little over 40 robots across um antweights which was Merca, and then I ran Beetleweights just because I've got a big enough arena for it, but that was separate from Merca. Yeah, I mean, that was relatively smooth sailing. Next event was what I believe we went to Michigan then. Yep, Michigan mashup. I, when it comes to issues, uh, he who shall not be named, <laughs> that's a big issue. Oh. <laughs> yeah, that's something I don't know exactly oh, how we want to address. It probably won't yeah. address it. I know who you're talking <laughs> about. Yeah, that yeah, was... man. <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. <laughs> that was That's been the biggest issue. Uh, that was the yeah, hiccup it's... of the season. Um, otherwise, very, very minor yeah. rule okay. things. Um, I will step in and say, with regard to Joseph and, and all the event organizers, Joseph as being his usual perfectionist self, that event was fantastic. And all of those issues Joseph mentioned were basically invisible to people who aren't joseph Mm. yeah yeah that's true and then just nine months later we went from having the super basic stream to a really nice one with graphics and um like info cards about Mm. the robots before the fights which is something that even norwalk doesn't have to try to give this extra background about robots uh was also a lot of work uh background work on joseph's side but people were happy to volunteer that information uh and then there was we made there was no queuing system before now there's like a at least the beginning of one that seemed to work pretty well for monitoring ready status and helping to rearrange fights that helped keep things going smoother um and even rearrange the pits to be more optimal and try to set up the test boxes in a way where people can ready up right and then just go straight from test box into the fights so and that's all that all that happened over a span of nine months and i don't know about three or four events so the trajectory is uh, really uh, exciting for the quality of our events and uh, the back, the the back uh, background, I guess, or the back office the framework that allows this to go smoothly. Right, right. Um, so, so you just had your finals uh, in in Wisconsin this past weekend. Uh, take me through the finals. You know, like um, can you can you tell me a little bit more about uh, about that event? a good one for joseph and remy since they've got the event organizer and the uh the champion i'll tell you a little bit about what what the merca finals represented it represented a i think almost all of the top ant weight robots that are in the midwest area and it encompassed a, a range of different robot types we had things from horizontals we had mid cutters, horizontal shuffling, horizontal undercutter abominations. 
uh, four-wheel drive uh, verts, uh, control bots with lifters, without lifters that have all flourished in one uh, event or another. And uh, we get to put them all together in the same place and see how they all do. Then, of course, there's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, yeah, they don't even forget about the uh, two uh, the two pound uh, double horizontal uh, bristle bot with actuated bristles. Uh, <laughs> so we have all kinds of uh, weird concepts that are a lot easier and probably more affordable to experiment with on an ant weight scale. I also want to <clears throat> I want to understand where you want to take the league like has the league basically grown to where you want it to be do you see it changing in the future as you go into 2023 and beyond you know um where where where, where do you think is kind of like the the logical conclusion of the league or or where where do you want to grow to uh you know going forward so i'm probably going to have slightly different answers than everyone else we've done a little bit of discussion on it and we know that we want to stick with ant weights for this next season. Um, there's been a little bit of discussion of, oh, you know, maybe at some point it grows big enough and we add in beetle weights or some other weight class. But uh, we've got plenty of refinement left to do with ant weights. And especially with the arenas, um, we don't feel a need to go outside of ant weights yet. Uh, but I think we're definitely pushing for a few more events um just higher quality on everything trying to get trying to give more people an opportunity to fight yeah Fred. more events bigger events and keeping it as antways stops the uh stops the arena cost and minimum size from scaling and uh spiraling out of control so that's the direction i think we just want to make it accessible to as many different people as possible um by keeping things ant weight and just adding as many events as possible. Besides, they already got NHRL that they can go out to if they want, or, you know, a really big beetle weight event they want to go to. So That's one of the only no cap events, which is something that we can't do with our current structure. Yes. So our only alternative is to increase the quantity of events. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I want to transition over a little bit into kind of like, your your recommendations, I guess, or your suggestions for other people who want to start a local combat robotics league. I was thinking of um, <clears throat> of uh, a question that we got a couple weeks ago from somebody in Louisiana who was interested in basically starting the Louisiana Combat Robotics League. I don't know if there are any builders in Louisiana right now, but like, I don't know, like you know you. You think about you think about all of the great combat robotics regions in the U.S. or or even around the world, you know, like why is Brazil such a huge combat robotics um, uh, hotbed? You know, it's because they built a competition. Why is Florida of all places, you know, huge in combat robotics? It's because of Starbot and uh, you know the the competitions that they built back there in the late 90s um california obviously huge for combat robotics because they had competitions they had boxes um you know like how do you start a league in a state that has no league you know um can you talk say somebody through who might be listening from louisiana and is inspired to to start their own thing probably the first thing you need is an event and then you can use your starter event is a way to gather people who are interested 
then you just progressively lure them into it deeper until they're ready to run their own event. I'm sure there's a couple extra steps in there, and you guys that have experienced it might have a little bit more to say. You're, you're using it, you're saying lure them in. That sounds rather devious. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's that's kind of exactly what it is. Um, the way I started is I put myself out there by saying I'm going to run the event, figured out what I would need, and then I put it up on robot combat events and just hoped. Um, I remember staring at the the entries and getting so excited as uh, you know the robots climbed closer and closer to a full bracket of 16. Um, and that's really where I met uh, the the primary people who who got the the Merca started. And I think that's kind of how you you forced yourself into it. Is you know you you put it up on at the at that time it was only robot combat events that was out because uh, Builders DB was down. But when you put it up there, it was a commitment. I'm going to make this happen, even if you're a little nervous about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, we we get a lot of people uh, talking to us like, "Hey, can I be a, a Merca event next year on the on the schedule? I've got this plan and this and that." And um, personally, I I always hesitate, and we've we've had some discussions on how to best deal with those situations. But I mean, the the best thing is going to be just do it because anyone can talk about building an arena or having this plan or this venue that they uh, could get secured. But I'm always an advocate for do it and let people follow because they will, there is interest for this hobby. I think, I think one of the keys too. this goes back to the very beginnings of the sport back in the late nineties and early two thousands is that the sport has always been such a strong community of people. And, you know, uh, it can be a trap to fall into of thinking that uh, any element of the sport, whether building or organizing event, but especially organizing an event uh, is a solo endeavor. Um, but, you know, I, just watching these guys, Joseph and Jeremiah and uh, Eric in Iowa and all the others uh, here in the Midwest, you know, there's such a supportive community, even just within the event organizers and their resources that are available once you start having those conversations, I think you can feel a little bit more empowered um, to try something. And it, then it just grows by itself. It, it's a feedback loop. Yeah, we're always very happy to have people come out and talk with them about what it takes to do this kind of thing, whether it's build a robot and compete or try to run an event. Cool. Very good. All right. So, uh, so now, now, you know, if you want to start your own league, you know, reach out to, to these four, reach out to the Merca folks. All right. Great. Um, I wanted to just kind of, uh, just see if, if you had any other thoughts about the importance of local leagues in general. Um, like I, I wonder if you started the league in hopes of, you know, providing a venue for the next BattleBots champion, you know, to build their first ant weight and get involved in the sport? Or was it more like, you know, we built this for ourselves, uh, you know, we're competitors ourselves. We just wanted, a, you know, like a better league for ourselves. Or, you know, do you give much thought to kind of like future plans and talent development in, in the sport, um, especially coming out, out of the Midwest? Huh. I think the answer is all of <laughs> There's no wrong I think the answers answer is here. all of the above. And that's what's, great about it is 
ultimately it came down to people wanting to have the opportunity to fight robots when that didn't necessarily exist. But because it's such a strong community and you have such brilliant people, you know, um, it, it just builds into something where you can't help but be excited to innovate and try new things and think about what are those options all the way up to the 250 pound robots. I always thought it would be cool if someday there was a, you know, MRCA and what's the word for, what's the word for when you give money to something? A sponsorship. There we go. Yes. An MRCA sponsored robot, Mm. something that we all work together on and can get into battle bots. But uh, that's a ways down the road. We can barely make the events profitable at this point. (laughs) Who said anything about profit? Well, <laughs> you're, talking about, you're talking about a heavyweight. There's no, profit there. no profit. I um, I'll, I'll just say like I I find it really inspiring that that there are people who are willing to put in the hard work to make the event. You know, um, it's so much more fun to build the robot and compete. Uh, a lot less fun to find the venue and to set up the box and take down the box and store the box and, you know, like uh, do all of the rules and, you know, make sure that your referees are calling the fights correctly and organizing judging and setting up streaming. And like all that stuff is the really kind of non-fun stuff, but someone has to do it. And um, the people who can create that community be really the, the nexus of activity in the community are really, um, helping provide the venue for, for, you know, the, the, the upcoming champions in our sport. So like that is really, really cool. And I 100% expect, you know, a, a Midwest champion to come out. Um, if, if you guys can, can keep the, the league going. So, um, so that's, that's really cool. Um, I, I want to uh, transition over to a couple of listener questions that we got. Um, so let's see. Uh, actually, wait first, Remy, specifically, before we jump into listener questions, um, I want to ask you a couple questions specifically. We were, we were roommates this past week in Las Vegas. We're both on Team Shreddit. Um, I would love to hear about your week. I feel like it's been a very big week for you in combat robotics. You started off in Las Vegas, you know, working on a heavyweight. You came home uh, to the Midwest and then won the Merca finals. So I guess uh, congratulations all around. Um, I would love to get your, your, I don't know, just reflections on the last week. And it's been kind of a whirlwind Um, working on the heavyweight, working on the team. Obviously don't break your NDA um, or you're going to get both of us in trouble Uh, coming home, winning Merca, you know, finals. uh, Just, I would love to hear, hear about your, your last, week oh i don't where do i start i guess yeah it's been um a realization of a dream that i've had for a long time to uh, participate in battle bots but um yeah with shreddit bro and team shreddit uh, i did a majority of the design work for that robot then they uh got to help make it reality when we brought it to the event. There was a lot of prep and a lot of testing, um, a lot of hard work, but also um, a great opportunity to meet um, a bunch of other builders that I've either never uh, interacted with or maybe only ever interacted with online. And uh, it was pretty awesome to learn that everyone is just the, there's no uh, 
like uh, magic to being a bot builder. They're just all people that happen to be very intelligent and motivated, but they're all normal people. <laughs> of course, you can talk to them like that as well. And uh, the experience itself is like a roller coaster of uh, time pressure and highs and lows when things work or don't work. Um, but uh, it's even weirder jumping straight from that and going back home to going to something that's 250 times smaller and, uh, you know, go shift transitioning from something that's a, you know, a big team project that almost nobody can do as an individual for a heavyweight to something where you can really encapsulate the entire design process, including and onward to the realization parts of fabrication and final assembly of a of a actual robot all by yourself and then go fight a bunch of other people with it uh it's also great to see the difference between the constraints put on battlebots to make it a good show versus uh much more design freedom and uh no kind of a uh, robot type quotas or anything uh, in our antweight championships, and even with those, uh, even with a lack of restrictions like that, we still have a very good variety of robot types, which was uh, really cool to see. Uh, but overall, they're like two experiences that are super difficult to compare, but each one of them informs the other in giving it kind of a perspective. And uh, yeah. I love to have the opportunity to do both of them. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, specifically for for BattleBot Seven, did you get a chance to walk around in the pits? Did you see robots? You know, was were there any robots that you were super impressed by? Obviously, we can't talk about the fights, but um, was there a robot that you are really stoked about seeing uh, on the show later this year? I didn't have as much time as I would have liked to wander around the pits, but I definitely did. And um, I think the two things robots that stood out to me the most would probably have to be Ripperoni because of their mm. unique aspects of it, their bizarre asymmetry, which has a purpose, and also their um, active anti-gyro device, which has been implemented on insect weight robots, but now this is the first time I've seen it in a modern uh, heavyweight. And that's really exciting. It gives it the potential to do things that no other big disc vert can do. And uh, we'll get to see it in January in action. Then the other one that really stood out to me was Ominous, just because it's unique motion. And I sit was right up next to it in the test box uh, when I heard it was going in and just watching it maneuver and stuff uh, was uh, so much fun to see uh, a, a vert that can that can uh, translate uh, strafe and rotate just like uh, along the lines of what something like Shatter can do. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we, we were pit neighbors with, with Ripperoni and the, uh, the Omega team. And I agree. Like I thought that robot was amazing. Um, we've seen it on a smaller scale, obviously at Motorama and at Norwalk Havoc. Um, were they, were they running the, the anti-gyro device, like on the smaller, smaller level? I, I, that, that part of the design just totally floored me when you were telling me about it. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about, about that? That anti-gyro device? It was a huge surprise to me. I do not believe that it was implemented on the 30-pound just because of probably weight constraints, um, mm. which uh, means that this is going to be another step beyond even the behavior of that 30-pounder. Um, 
and uh, I think that they'll probably want to explain the details of it, and they could probably do it a lot more accurately than me. But all I could say is, mm. from what I've seen, it works. Yeah, that's really cool. That's very cool. Well, um, okay, good. Let's jump into our listener questions. Um, and we'll start off with uh, Norwalk Havoc Community Director Gil Hova, who wants to know, uh, a genuine question was, one of the reasons you folks picked the MRCA acronym was so you could call it MRCA. I can't seem to ever unsee it. If you've been listening to how we've been referring to it, I think that that's clear. That's one of the <laughs> one of the reasons, if not the only <laughs> reason. Yeah, yeah. It's not like we made the logo, you know, red, red and blue and patriotic. <laughs> yeah, it, it used to have a U in it, and we took that out. <laughs> Got it. Yeah the the four letter string came before the actual meaning <laughs> of the acronym. Got it. Got it. That's good. That's good. Uh, Ryan Hunter, who runs Harvester at Norwalk Havoc, has a thought-provoking question. What is the next great innovation that is going to sweep through the lower weight classes? Your thoughts on the next great innovation? Well, we found it's not shufflers. It's just Remy. Yeah. <laughs> Remy just uh, Remy OP! <laughs> yeah, we'll see about that. We'll see. I'll go back to Norwalk before I can make a judgment on if that's going <laughs> if I am the sole innovation that's going to be sweeping insect weights. But just make I think that make make a ahead. really big mud skipper. Bring that there. Uh, I mean, there's a design. All I'll say. Oh, uh, well, that for another time. <laughs> Caleb, Caleb, and I were kind of talking about that too, and I I wonder if the the meta is going to be kind of the opposite of a meta that what we're seeing is that in order to really uh compete and separate yourself now it's starting to look like you have to come up with a completely crazy design um to just completely upset all of the assumptions and if you look you know there's some some normalness to some of the designs at the top but there's something pretty crazy about just about every design that made it to the top of our tournament. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. I think we yeah. are going to see uh, a few more people experiment with shufflers, but um, as far as like a normal meta design doing okay, there's been some talk of shell spinners. And I think if someone can build a good shell spinner, we're going to see a lot more broken robots. But yeah, Ashley nailed it. Our league is really unique in that we've had some strange robots find a lot of success just because you can't deal with them. Yeah, I was told that, you know, four-wheel drive verts were, you know, the most powerful robots. So that's what I built and I'm not winning. What's up with that? <laughs> <laughs> you, the one other thing that I don't think has really been seen out here in the Midwest or in Ants, but... I think that there's a lot of potential still for uh, autonomous or semi-autonomous features, especially when there will be a bonus uh, given to the robots that utilize those. And I've been hearing rumblings of people doing some even more innovative things with Melty Brains, for example, which already have all the processing power to to do their normal routine. And you can add in clever autonomous features to that with the right set of uh ideas that's cool uh lord toby who runs t3 at norrock havoc and across the midwest wants to know where would you all like to see Merca be in a few years from now uh, joseph i mean i can dream all day about 
um, basically scaling up to Norbox goals, right? But um, realistically, in a few years, um, ah, you know, it's we haven't all discussed this as a group. Um, you know, my my personal goals. I have some uh, ideas. I would like to get a lot more youth involved in this. Mm. I think that building ant weights are accessible enough to potentially be an alternative or something that accompanies something like first or vex robotics. I personally feel like my first robotics team failed me in teaching me about robots and I found a lot more success going off and building my own combat robots. A lot of that is team dependent, but that was just my experience and I I would like to be able to share that with more people. Yeah, and a lot of times kids do find the combat robotics more interesting than VEX or FIRST Robotics. You just got to trick them into enjoying the science and engineering. Yeah? How do you do that? By making the, by having them engineer things that, that break each other. Oh, that are fun! Instead of throwing balls at stuff. The, the fun aspects, yes. Personally, I, I think it would be really cool in the, in the next few years to see us get to a point um, where... Kind of to what you're talking about, Luke, there's a lot more local events and really there's a, almost like a an informal structure to it where maybe there are four majors or, you know, three or four tournaments that really stick out as like the keystone events of mm. the year where, you know, the Norwalk finals and the MRCA finals and, you know, maybe something with what they're doing up in Seattle become like the the tent posts of the year and something that you can really aspire to at multiple levels. And then beyond that, in a lower scale, I think it would be amazing if we could get to something like event almost every month in our area, even if not all of them are accessible by all people in the Midwest as far as like a drive, but just having something. So you could stay current, you could see, you could stream, watch the stream, see what other people are up to and um, just something that's very regular and it's at a scale which is accessible to everybody. And we uh, kind of help uh, get to the point where we're not, we're filling up, we're not filling up the registrations in, in 10 minutes flat and everyone has to, you know, set uh, an appointment on their calendar to grab it. So that just goes to being more accessible. I think we're currently looking at like six to seven MRCA events next year. So it's about one every other month. Obviously, trying to avoid big things like uh, uh, Norwalk, because a lot of and people battle bots that, so. and this like Mother's Day silly yeah uh, battle bots uh, dates yep. that have no real meaning, but you know I guess we're supposed to avoid them. <laughs> yeah, some people just you know it's more important for them to be with their mother than fighting Weird. robots. I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I guess uh, <laughs> you know bring her with you. Hey. Get her possibility yeah there you, there go. you go i swear i saw some <laughs> my of the battle bots saying yeah yeah uh, uh, a shirt that said uh yeah you know middle-aged moms can make robots too you know that might be a paraphrasing but i was like no reason yeah, why not true. go for it we've got a good question here from mike stropkovic jr aka mr psycho on youtube who wants to know what robot at windy city was your favorite and why was it hit and run oh <laughs> it was not <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hit and run, hit and runs weapon lock slash safety cage was amazing and very theatrical. So I I massively appreciated it. It was good. Although I think value. possibly my favorite robot was Idiot Sandwich. 
Oh, yes. Yeah, hands down. <laughs> idiot sandwich. I, can you someone describe idiot sandwich? Because I can't without laughing, I think. I'm I'm assuming it's it's two pieces of bread, you know. Uh, no, but you know, it... Uh, yeah, with with an idiot in the middle. It kind of right? looks like that. <laughs> it okay, had uh, human arms on it, did it not? Yeah. yeah. And, and, and they just <laughs> sideways clamped onto the other robot. He was trying to give hugs. Wow. Oh, yeah, and like good. the whole frame is plastered with Gordon Ramsay's face. Yeah, <laughs> yep. that's, that's the guy, right? Yep. Yep, yep that's yeah. the guy. All right, Mike, you, you have your answer. We also have a, a related question from Andrew Freetag who says, which uh, Merca Beetle has been your favorite so far? And which one do you fear fighting the most? And why is the answer to those questions both no escape? Wow, these guys are all giving us the answers. You know, yeah. if no escape showed up with a working robot, I might feel different. No, that's not what happened. I heard no <laughs> escape was so dangerous that Joseph banned it in WRC oh, for oh. fear that it would tear a hole in the space-time continuum and uh, create, mm. you know, um, a rift that would kill us all. Uh, fortunately, good, that was averted. Good. But the next time, who knows? Yeah, I, I feel I would like say yeah. if uh, if Toby figures out some of those last details with T three, I hope to never see him in the arena again. No, no, T three and Narcissist, I think, were the two most terrifying robots. But Narcissist is uh, is just a Norwalk bot that's uh, masquerading as a Midwest bot. Mm. I'm going to mm. completely ignore the fact that uh, the team already broke is based out of Indiana. Yes, yes, they are very Midwestern. Uh, Matt Lantry, who runs Fallout at Norwalk Havoc, asks, uh, this is a good reason, uh, I guess a good question. Is there a reason why you chose to do ant weights instead of beetles? I think you kind of already addressed that. And also, do you see Merca expanding into other regions like the East Coast or the West Coast? So, yeah. Go ahead, Joseph. Short answer, short answer is accessibility on ant weights. Mm. We, we did already go over that. Yep. Um, Personally, I like that if you qualify at a Merca event, it's not a horrible stretch to drive to the finals. Mm. I would love to preserve that, but I don't know if it'll be possible. And I mean, basically, the MRCA covers what is what you can look at on the map that says this is the Midwest area. There have been other, what is it, the SERC, which is down south of us, that... Uh, has been talking about trying to get something started. I think that's a much better way to go than trying to expand much past that since we've actually still got a bunch of states with no events in them right now. Yeah, we'd be happy to support other groups, but uh, maybe we need to keep our scope a little more tight to within the community that we know. But I mean, that's something we would try first and we're always open to adjusting. We've definitely been nothing if not adaptable as we continue to grow. Very cool. Um, I'm very, I'm very sad to to report that the rest of these questions are all for Remy um, and Remy's robots. So, uh, so Remy, I, I guess we'll fly through these very quickly. Uh, Shift Cat Drill has a question: uh, Why did you pick a giraffe design on the plow for Wicked Wedge, Remy? Uh, so the original plan was there was no plan, and it was just going to be a boring wedge. And my sister looked at it. <laughs> she said, "Yo, this this needs something on it." And then she's like, "It's got horns." Or acicones. It's going to be a giraffe. I'm painting it. You can't stop me. And she did. And then it worked. And then I said, next time around, I said, you know, painting this is kind of a pain in the butt. Let's get uh, giraffe stickers made. And I'll just put some, uh, slap some vinyl stickers on there. And uh, as soon as you buy 10 of a sticker, then you're locked into that design. Hmm. 
I love Wicked Wedge. It's one of my favorite robots at Norwalk, so I, I, I totally understand why there's questions about it. Uh, we have a we have another Wicked Wedge-related question from Will Hahn, who writes, Hi, Remy. I wanted to ask you about Wicked Wedge. What drove you to develop a sewer snake-esque wedgie bot in a field of largely spinner-based three-pounders? Why are you playing uh, Norwalk Havoc on hard mode? So without considering what it actually meant in the competition, I thought that making a lifter would be the easiest way to compete in Norwalk because I had no test box. I had just a big piece of wood that I could drive around on, and I wanted to learn how to drive a combat robot without having to invest a bunch of money into the polycarbonate and the other stuff to construct the test box. So based on that, I made a robot that has possibly one of the least effective weapons <laughs> and threw it up against the, the threw it right into the the deep end at Norwalk. But uh, then it turns out it's a lot of fun to bully a bunch of uh, finger tech beater bars around um, with a giraffe. So I kind of committed to it now. Good, good. Um, Will also writes, I'm heavily considering a similar build for my first beetle. Do you have any advice for that type of design? Keep up the good work. Exclamation smiley face. Any, uh, any recommendations for something building a, a Wicked Wedge inspired beetle? Um, first of all, you might want to see a psychiatrist and confirm that you're actually <laughs> sane. No, that's not true. I, I love control bots and should support it. Uh, probably the biggest thing I would say is don't go too crazy with your lifting mechanism when you're starting out and just use a servo. It makes your life so much easier and it's, it lowers the, the uh, amount of engineering and design needed to get something working to a point where you can just get, get going easily and uh, then you can develop things from there if you want to do something custom. Got it. We have a couple of, uh, I would say, NDA skirting questions about Shredder Bro. So let's let's tread carefully here. We've got a question here from Alex Pick from Northeastern's, uh, uh, sorry, Northwestern's Combat Robotics team. Um, Alex asks, how do the internals of Shredder Bro compare to the internals of Pain Train? And what does spin up and tip speed look like as well as acceleration and speed? You can also tell Alex, this is an NDA breaking question, Alex. I can't answer these. But um, if you can talk a little bit about the internals or uh, differences between the two robots, that would be kind of cool. Sure. I think there's a couple of things that are obvious from the pictures that we've already shared and without divulging anything that's too sensitive. Um, first of all, the drive is uh, double the wheels and double the drive power because it has four motors now of the same uh, size that were used in. Uh, Pain train 6384s and uh for weapon we've changed to motors that are about three times the power of the previous um weapon motors so and we're using new motors 8038s which are same as hypershock and uh quite a lot of other robots at this point so those things should really uh ideally help us uh with the maneuverability and weapon spin up although i don't have exact numbers i could reel uh reel off Mm, good. Uh, we've got a series of Shredder Bro related questions from Alexander Archer. Maybe I can help answer some of these. I don't know. Uh, why did Team Shredder retire Pain Train in favor of Shredder Bro for season seven? I don't know. Do you, do you think? Are, are we qualified to answer that question, Remy? I don't think so. <laughs> it's a mystery to me, honestly. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alexander, 
save your question for the for the for for when we have Evan on to uh, to talk specifically about pain, uh, about about Shredder Bro. That's that's a very good question. Um, yeah, I kind of heard anecdotally from Evan, but uh, he's he's got the full thing. Um, Alexander also asks, without spoiling anything regarding what happened at filming, will Shredder Bro be more successful than Pain Train was? Oh, that's a good question. Ah, that's also an NDA breaking question, Alexander. I guess okay. Uh, uh, I guess statistically, taking a look at the two designs, uh, as the designer of the the newest robot, do you think that this is basically the best best robot that uh, that Evan Arias and his team have taken to uh, to BattleBots so far? I think that Sherbro has a ton of potential, and if you look closely at Pain Train's record, uh, the bar may not be so high to be more successful. <laughs> Shade, I love it, Remy. Okay, good. Um, how did you and other competing teams react to finding out that Tombstone was unable to compete this season? Um, Alexander really loves Tombstone, so he wants to know how other teams have reacted uh, to, to Tombstone being out. Personally, did you did you have a reaction? Yeah, yeah, I heard about it a little bit earlier than the official announcement, and it was a yeah, it was a bit of a shock, and it does it does seem uh, like uh, it was a little bit unfortunate timing wise but besides that it's good to know that ray will very likely be back in the future um and in the meantime we have a couple of new very interesting looking horizontals to look forward to this year at least yeah i'll say for myself personally it kind of felt like the field was a little bit more wide open you know like tombstone has a tendency to really wreck its opponents and knowing that tombstone wasn't in the field kind of i don't know for me I felt like going into the brackets, you're like, oh, you know what? We're we're not going to have four completely wrecked robots in the qualifiers, and maybe there's not a tombstone that's lurking in the shadows, you know, in the top 32. So perhaps we can see an unexpected champion emerge. So much of the top 32, honestly, is about luck of the brackets. You know, like you can get to the top 16 or the top eight, you know, just by having a fortunate matchup. And tombstone is just one of those big kind of sledgehammer type robots where uh it has a tendency to smash through the uh <laughs> through the the rock paper scissors of the sport so um i i we haven't we haven't entered the top 32 yet but um you know i think that uh teams are not being in there you know could could clear clear the way clear some avenues i think for uh for people to advance to the top eight or the top four um and then last question for Alexander. Is there anything special about Shredder that sets it apart from the other drum spinners that we've seen in the past? Oh, that's a good question for the designer of Shredder No. I'm just kidding. That's not, that's not true. I'm just Remy. kidding. Um, I think that... <laughs> is it secret, Remy? <laughs> um, probably it's the only drum spinner that has... Uh, four-wheel drive single stage reduction and it's one of the only uh that have custom poured wheels um, they're not exactly the same as copperheads wheels mm. they're vitaflex 60a but we do have a set of custom wheels that i designed and manufactured that hopefully will give us a little bit of a unique advantage although we also have the option to use uh rubber wheels that are identical to the ones that were used in SME last year. So, um, yeah, I think being able to play around with those compounds um, should theoretically give us the eh, opportunity to have a better drive and maneuverability. 
That's awesome. Very cool. Well, that's that's our last Shredder Bro question. Um, I know that I, I want to have uh, like 10 weeks of rookies, you know, on the show. So Shredder Bro will absolutely get invited um, onto Behind the Bots and we can go really deep on the design then. And I hope to have you back. Um, final question from Sumi Shik. I guess this is open to anybody. Can anyone, do they think that they can say the word Okanamawak five times fast? I'm just curious. Does somebody have like, uh, you know, the tongue twister in their back pocket. Joseph, you you, you want to take a take you a crack? Be the expert. I'll take a stab at it. All right, good. Okanamawak, 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 Okanamawak. We got a meal. Yes, good. Yeah, those of us from those of us from Wisconsin, this is normal. So yeah. Very good. Very good. Well, thanks so much for talking to us, uh, all four of you. I really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you so much for creating Merca and congratulations again on a successful season. Cannot wait to see where the league goes in 2023 and beyond. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. We hope to see you as our announcer next year at the finals. (laughs) Huh? Huh? Ooh. Okay. All right. Okay. I, I I would I would be we, honored. I, w- I would be honored. 100%. We would have to talk. That'd be fun, though. <laughs> Thanks for having us on. <laughs> I am. I am very selfish in that way, but I I very much enjoy commentary. Mm. All right. Uh, we'll see you. See you all again soon. After the break, we'll return with this week's installment of Robots Around the World. Welcome back from the break. Time for Robots Around the World. This week, we're traveling to Austin, Texas, where researchers at the University of Texas are studying how people interact with delivery robots. The robots are outfitted with cameras and sent on little delivery runs multiple times per day to drop off small items all over the University of Texas campus. Along the way, they walk past hundreds of people, eliciting a range of reactions. The researchers are quantifying those reactions to understand how we can build robots that don't freak people out so much. Interesting. Um, I get that they're on a college campus and that they're researching this on a college campus and that they're doing this in uh, Austin, Texas, but wouldn't it behoove them to maybe study this um, in a major city where where uh, people live? Oh, so you think that perhaps the sample is uh, is incorrect. Is that right, Kyle? Yes, I do think that perhaps um, a college campus where a bunch of students are worried about getting kicked out of school and in trouble with their parents uh, might not be the best place. Uh, perhaps a delivery robot would would be better tested in, um, oh, I don't know, like the Bronx. Oh, interesting. Uh, because you you think that these these Austin these kids from Austin they're uh, they're already pretty open minded is that right they're going to embrace the delivery robots? Uh, yeah, I do. I think that they're going to embrace the delivery robot. I don't think they're going to get freaked out by them. I think that uh, it'll be one of those things. It's novel at first, and then they just ignore it. You know what I mean? Whereas, um, you know, you bring it to some other places, and people might get clever they might try to divert the robot's attention they might uh, try to kidnap the robot you never know hmm you never know interesting um yeah like i did you watch this video i don't know it's maybe a week or two ago online uh where people were like kicking over the uh, the delivery robot like on the street did you see this 
Yes, I did see that. And trying to rip it open to get whatever was inside out. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I feel so bad for these robots, you know, like they, they definitely need a Shremex, Shri- of course. And uh, I don't know, maybe maybe a big horizontal spinner, you know, that comes out. What, what do you think? I think that a big horizontal spinner might be a lot of lawsuits. Um, <laughs> but perhaps like a uh, a hull that can be electrified oh. you know, with like a low, a low voltage, like, you know, not enough to kill somebody, but enough to make you not want to touch it. We're just we're just tasing random people down the street. Is that right? No, taser. This is this is always so problematic for me. A taser is when you shoot two barbs out at somebody and it shoots and electrifies them with cords. Right? It's a gun. You tase them with a gun. Uh-huh. The if you do that, it would be more like a stun, like a stun gun. You know what I mean? Where it's like the two nodes that are attached to the piece, and you actually have to touch the person with the actual object. That's not a taser. So this would be more like that. I see, like a stun gun. Yes, like a, like a stun Kettle rod. Gun. Is that right? Yeah, it'd be like a cattle prod. Okay, interesting. Have you ever been tased, Kyle? I, I've never asked you this. I've never been tased, but I have been cattle prodded. What? All right, this is not I this is not like school. one of these discussions for Fifty Shades of Vanilla, is it? No, no. I went to high school in uh, rural Missouri, and uh, there wasn't a lot to do. <laughs> Wait, so kids would bring uh, cattle prods to school? No, to parties. But to yes. parties. Right. Yes. To parties. Wow. As a high schooler, you were going to cattle prodding parties. This is wild. Yeah. There would be like drinking games involved. You know what I mean? Like uh, take the shot or get the cattle prod. And, you know, if you were wanted to be able to drive home that night, you're going to take the cattle prod. Not going to lie. If I had a cattle prod in college, I would probably have used it at parties, too. Like that sounds That's pretty what fun. I'm saying. How much That's how I'm much saying. is a cattle prod? I, I've never even thought of buying one. I have no idea how much a cattle prod right, I is. I was not one of the kids. From I got the farm. I got cattle prod for sale. I don't know. I'm gonna get the weirdest weirdest ads after this. Yeah, welcome, welcome. Now, what? now we're talking about fifty. They're so cheap. I'm not surprised. How is this possible? It's like forty bucks at Tractor Supply. Yeah, I'll buy that. Wait, what? What's the? How is this even possible? What's the power source on this thing? I mean, it's just a battery, lipo batteries. A lipo battery. They're rechargeable now. Rechargeable cattle prod. Yeah. Let's. Yeah, you can just plug them into a USB and charge them right up. All right. This is this is going to be for later reading here. This is very interesting to me. I I would only assume it's like three hundred, four hundred bucks. You know. Um, No, no. You could put it like seven of them on your BattleBot and be one of those guys. Wild. Wild. Okay. (laughs) Uh, You can't actually disclaimer. You can't actually put cattle prods on your BattleBots. It's against the rules. Really. Yeah, hmm. I don't know. That seems wrong. Um, I when when I when I when I when I read this this story, um, I thought a lot about kind of like the slow progression of technology and how it's so interesting that at every major milestone, every kind of leap forward that we've had so far in technology, there have always been people who have resisted it. Like, um, and it's kind of interesting to study all of these reactions. Like, you know, when you go back, you can read. You know, uh, people were wary about books being printed for people. People were worried about newspapers. People were worried about telephones and then telephones in houses, like personal telephones, mobile phones. That was like huge. Obviously, the Internet, like we lived through kind of like the Internet panic of the, the late 90s, early 2000s. 
social media panic, you know, today, and then like robots, you know. Um, and it's so cool to me to think that like a, my kid will grow up and she will think that robot deliveries are totally passe and normal. Whereas like, I think it's strange and I want to crack open these poor little sidewalk, <laughs> sidewalk robots and see what's inside. You know what I mean, Kyle? <laughs> yes. Yes. And it's inevitable that like somebody's going to use one of these in a crime. Right. So, so there's going to be things that like pop up around them. You know what I mean? Somebody smuggled uh, the, the jewel heist out in a delivery robot or some, some nonsense, a criminal broke out of jail with inside of a delivery robot, right? That's going to happen. All sorts of strange stuff is going to happen with these things. It's going to be awesome. That is going to be the most boring twist ever on like Ocean's 15, you know, like, oh, it's inside <laughs> of the uh, the Uber robot, you know? Uh, Ocean's 15, the entire cast is going to be robots. It's going to be <laughs> yes, yes. Good, good, Kyle. Good. <laughs> All right. Well, that's about it for us today. We're going to want to thank Nicole for editing this week's episode. Thank you so much, Nicole. And we'll be back in your feed next week, possibly. I don't know. Do you think we should go come back next week, Kyle? I mean, like, uh, Battle Boss is ending. Norwalk is gearing up. You know, I, I, I think we could probably. I was thinking maybe we could do 10 weeks of rookies, you know? Ten weeks of rookies. I mean, that's pretty typical for us at this time of year. We gotta we gotta check in on all those rookies. Who do you want to get next time? What's your who would be your best rookie to grab? All right. Well, rookie, I would I would qualify that as new robot that hasn't competed on BattleBots before. So like Shredded Bro would be a, a rookie. Doomba would be a rookie, even though we know Bryce and we know Evan, right? Yes. Um, we love Bryce and Evan. They're great. In terms of in terms of true rookies, I don't know, like pretty particular to emulsifier I, I like emulsifier a lot maybe we could have matt boris on the show you know Ooh, yeah that would be cool have him on have yeah. a little bots fc action that would be great yeah i don't know let's uh let's take a look at it see see how everybody feels you know like chris and Lindsay, they're coming back from BattleBots uh tomorrow so i'll be back i'm guessing next week on the pod and uh yeah i don't know like uh maybe maybe we do like a little battle bots reflection and find find a good rookie you know to talk to i like it i like it all right well cool we'll be back next week see you then bye bye there once was a bot who's from the sea the name of the bot was the kraken of teeth the lights went up the buzzer sounds all go my scaly girl go soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her She'll take her teeth and go. She'd not been two weeks from shore when out did come her metal jaw. The captain called all hands and swore he'd take that spinner in tow. <gasps> Soon may the spinner man come to knock her teeth right from her gums. One day when the fighting is done, she'll take her